Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for downloading. Right, this time, what it's like being freelance for video producer and marketing expert, Neil Waddington. What I've not learned was how to market myself. The biggest mistake I've ever made was that I thought it was enough just to be really good at what I did. The truth is far from that. You could just write a blog that's just stuffed full of keywords. I'm a video producer, I love video producing because video producing is, <laughs> is what I like, you know. But at the end of the day, nobody's really going to read it. So you're not positioning yourself as an expert. No only means no today. You know, it doesn't mean no tomorrow or no the day after. Hello, welcome to another one. We have got a video producer and video marketing expert with us this week who is Neil Warnington. Hey, Neil. Hello there. Looking forward to this because this is kind of like um, a freelance story where a freelancer has gone on and evolved their business, which lots of us think about, so that it's no longer just you and mm-hmm. your business and your family, but rather suddenly you're responsible for other people's careers and mm-hmm. uh, not wishing to frighten you and families <laughs> and stuff uh, because, of course, you turned it into a sizable company. Neil's from 4416, uh, based down in Surrey, and maybe you could tell us how you got to where you are, really. Well, it's, uh, I mean, we've, I've always kind of traded as a brand, as it were, so I've never been out there as Neil Waddington, uh, you know, as a freelancer. Um, I've always kind of wrapped it in a brand, which was just a decision that I made quite, you know, quite a long time ago uh, because I wanted to kind of build it. Um, it it's been through the company's been through, uh, and me as a professional have been through many different kind of stages, as I think as we all do. Um, it started out kind of as a partnership in that we were two freelancers working together, and then it evolved into a sort of what I'd call a medium-sized production office, uh, and then crashed horribly uh, due to. Uh, mistakes by myself and due to recession and all sorts of things like that which I'm sure we'll talk about in due course um and then I spent sort of several years where you know the company had a company name but essentially it was a one-man band essentially I was a one you know a uh, a uh, freelance producer and I was putting teams together depending on on the brief that came in uh from there, I've sort of built it back up where we're back at the stage where we're, you know, we have a medium-sized production office now and, uh, you know, we're sort of uh, back into the realms of being a, a company rather than me being a freelancer. But we, uh, you know, a lot of what we do is putting together teams of freelancers. So, you know, I've seen it from both sides, really. What time time span are we talking about with that? Uh, 15 years, I would say. We started, uh, I started the business in... Around the time of the millennium, but it was it was a bit hapless around that sort of time. I mean, I was, you know, a lot younger then. I was inexperienced. Um, you know, I, I was kind of, I had an idea of what I wanted to do with my life, you know, professionally and what I wanted to achieve, you know, if I was growing a business or growing as a as a professional. But, you know, how I was going to get there was it was different. And, you know, there were stumbles and lots of mistakes along the way, which I'm sure is familiar turf to, to most freelancers. So was that like a, had you worked in TV or was that straight out of a uni thing or? It was, it was straight out of uni. I mean, before I went to uni quite late, I was 24 when I went to uni, I'd had a career before then, which I hated so much. I I thought there had to be, you know, got to be something more than this. So uh, I kind of went back and retrained. I was, I was in a sort of a corporate structure before in a, in a, it was retail, uh, to be honest, but um, I, I hated being part of a company so much I kind of wanted to do my own thing when I when I uh, you know when I got the opportunity but I didn't really have the skill base at that time which is why I kind of headed back to education cool so you formed a partnership two freelancers working together makes sense mm-hmm. um under a name 
mm-hmm. but that you you struggled when it came to recession. So we're talking about two thousand eight, that sort of financial crisis sort of period. Yeah, or? we sort of you know we we sort of we we, we started off as a, as two freelancers together. Um, you know, we 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 weren't exactly doing exactly what I'm doing today, and I, and I, and I think you know that's can be true for for a lot of people. You tend to kind of morph and change over the years depending on where the business is and and you know what people are asking for at the time um so we'd kind of we'd kind of grown it over the space of uh eight years and and the the partnership actually disbanded very quickly in those those early that early period uh very amicably but uh i, I sort of grew it from 2002 i think it was up to about 2008 2009 um by which time we had quite a nice, you know, mid-sized, medium-sized production office. We had uh, production assistants, we had camera operators, editors, and I had a, a graphic designer in there as well. And what went wrong? Just that <laughs> clients got nervous and stopped marketing, or well, all sorts really. Um, you know, throughout the course of any anybody's career, you you kind of learn and and you you know you make mistakes. Uh, obviously, if you're in in a contract position, or if you you know if you've got what I'd call a, a regular nine to five job, you can make mistakes and you might get disciplined here and there, and you know you, there'll be ramifications. But with a freelancer, or if you you know you're, you're essentially running your own game, as it were, the mistakes can be hugely costly. And uh, the biggest mistake that I made was uh, well, two mistakes really. I I got two very big clients uh, and I sat on them. I got very lazy. Um, you know, they were bringing in great uh, revenue, great projects. The business seemed to be growing at a decent rate. Um, but, you know, they were representing 75 to 80% of my uh, turnover, you know, over the year. Um, and the recession impacted both of those clients in a massive way. Uh, and they went away over the space of probably about four months, you know, and I had sort of staff on the books at that point who were on full-time contracts. Um, we had, you know, equipment, multiple workstations, all the associated costs. Um, and, you know, as I say, it, it really bit me quite hard at that point. Uh, on At the same time, I wasn't really, you know, as I'd learned to be, good at what I thought I'd learned to be good at what I did for a living um what I'd not learned was how to market myself and and the biggest mistake I made and still to this day I said this is the biggest mistake I've ever made was that I thought it was enough just to be really good at what I did um and it it, you know the the truth is far from that it must have been a a nightmare to find yourself in that situation with you know staff who you're responsible for and the clients disappeared yeah it was it was horrendous to be honest with you because you know you you um you learn as you go but when you're learning on the way up you've got that kind of uh you know there's a sort of euphoria that drives you along you know there's a that you've got you've got that that passion to grow you know keep growing um and you you know you you kind of learn as you go you paper over any cracks that you find along the way um just because you've got that drive but yeah, you know, having to learn things on the downside is a different ball game altogether. You know, it's uh, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, you have to learn pretty quick how to um, you know make hard decisions, uh, find out where to save the money, find out where to rebuild. You know, make a, a long term plan. So yeah, it, it was pretty tough. 
So you mentioned there the fact that you you weren't marketing yourself then. Mm. So you you got uh, complacent with a couple of companies and people maybe coming to you through word of mouth or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I had to, I, as I say, I had two big fish, and then which which probably equated to about eighty percent of my turnover. Yeah. We had a website at that point, but I had I, I can honestly say I had I hadn't the you know the first idea of how to market myself in a in a real way when I first started the business when we when we sort of first started to grow it. You know, a lot of things kind of fell fell for the for me really. I had, I had some nice look, and you know, I do believe that you can make your own look in a certain way. If you you know, if you push your look, it will grow a little bit. But things did fall for me quite nice. I, I, I seemed to be in the right place at the right time, which again I think added to a little bit of complacency later down the line. You know, the the early jobs and the early clients had come along without me having to kind of learn a great deal about marketing. I mean, I, I was confident that. When I when I got in front of a client, I could probably get a get a job, get a, get a gig, um, but it's getting you know it's getting those new clients to to be in front of it's getting them to your door as it were, which was a real challenge. From two thousand to two thousand and nine, I learned how to do what I do, and from two thousand and nine till today, I've learned how to sell what I do. Let's talk about that then. How did you learn to sell what you do? Did you seek help? Did you simply get online and start reading? Well, it kind of it it, it was a funny time because the the <laughs> well, I say funny when I tell you when I tell you what happened. It's not not obviously not funny at the time. Uh, you know the 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 big sort of crash and the sliding business coincided with uh, myself and my wife starting a family, so we had a little boy. So you know, obviously, massive upheaval in my personal life. You know, we've we've got a, a child. Uh, we decided to sort of move slightly out of London, so we were relocating there as well so there's all sorts going on so there's a lot of pressure to kind of uh you know to 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 to, to reinvent the, the the business or myself as it were and um i if i'm honest with you i floundered at first you know i tried i tried anything and everything just to see what would work you know it was quite organic at first i didn't i didn't sort of seek advice initially i just sort of tried various things so i joined um uh, business network uh, clubs um, and I think at that stage I kind of started to get my head a little bit around networking and, and, and realise you know how valuable it could be this was around as I say late 2009 2010 so I was starting to kind of understand the value of networking at that st- at that time and you know if I, if there's no work on then my work is essentially to be out there finding the, the you know finding the, the new potential work and that that was the way that I started to look at things in that the you know the role was kind of twofold it was do, the doing and the uh, you know the, the 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 sort of facilitating of the next project as it were yeah and that's always that hard thing isn't it that's uh, to avoid that peak and trough yeah yeah because most people you know and I I'm a classic example you know market start marketing when you, when it's too late basically um so obviously you know i was in a situation where you know i had a huge drop off in income um by that stage by 2010 i'd let all the sort of the 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 staff go basically so we you know i'd have to make redundancies and uh move out of the the office that we're in so it was back down to me being a one-man band so we'd kind of you know i'd gone full cycle almost in 10 years had kind of started started on it as a small thing and kind of come back to it and as you know, it was a case of uh, of learning as I go, really about it. Also, as I say, the first the first stages were just kind of experimental, getting out there to see 
what the various forms of marketing were uh, and what was working. And, and networking, face-to-face networking initially did uh, yield some, some new clients. So we started to kind of get back on the road to recover, recovery uh, in, that, in that way. And now, you know, to be honest, the, the way I discovered you was through social media and through your blogs and things mm-hmm. like that, which seems to be quite a key pillar of what you do, marketing-wise. Yeah, it's absolutely essential, really. I mean, uh, as I say, the, the, the early stages of sort of finding my feet to market myself were, was getting out and networking. But that then evolved into... Uh, I picked up a couple of clients where I was... Uh, basically brought in from uh, by creative agencies uh, and that creative agency had put together a sort of team of freelancers so I would represent the video part of it there was a, another person who would represent uh, SEO and on online marketing and those sort of things and then there was someone who was a sort of designer and an out and out marketeer um, and I was kind of fortunate to be dropped into this little group because I could kind of um, you know feed off them and pick their brains as it were um, and I learned a lot then about the potential uh, of what could be achieved online in terms of making yourself visible. As I say, I'd, you know, I'd worked for years to be, you know, the best producer I could possibly be. And, you know, that still really drives me. But I did know at that point, you know, 2010, 2011, that it was just to be the best that I could possibly be was pointless if nobody knew about it. You know, referral's good and word of mouth is good, but it only goes so far. So what did you start to do? You you mentioned SEO. Yeah, well, the first thing I did was kind of rebuilt the website from scratch. So I, rebu- I rebuilt a website uh, based on a, a WordPress frame. Um, I found a, a, a web designer close to me. They essentially just put up a, a skin of the, the website, as it were. So, you know, all the sort of nitty-gritty technical bits. So I, essentially that was the first step. We were getting the sort of shell of it built and then me taking control of it um, – what I had learned at that stage was a few things that, that you know, really ensure that, that Google notices you. As I, as I said before, I, you know, I was confident I could do a job professionally, but it was pointless because nobody nobody knew about it. You know, the people people searching for what I did online, they weren't hitting me. You know, I was I was I think I was sort of in the twentieth page of Google or something ridiculous like that. You know, I was just nowhere near. So. Learning how it worked a little bit was was beneficial. In the early stages, as I said before, I was lucky enough to be uh, working on a project where there was a team of people that I could kind of pick their brains. However, now I do actually pay an SEO consultant uh, on a sort of a monthly, well, sometimes a monthly basis. Sometimes he'll work for me in sort of six-month patches. Uh, Other times I'll sort of just go to him for a month because I need something looking at. And basically he will give me the, the sort of the, 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 the information that I need to, to spread the word online and, and to help me be, you know, be seen um, using, using the WordPress uh, backend for your website is incredibly powerful because, you know, Google sees your website growing, which it really likes you know it likes to see websites that grow so automatically you start to boost it through the rankings there and then also you can add blogs to your uh, web page so we took a view or I took a view that I was going to try and kind of give away as it were as much of my expertise and my knowledge as possible and that was the way that I was going to market myself online um obviously you know so uh, 
you could look at that and say, well, you're actually giving away the stuff that, that you're selling. But my take on it was that if I could position myself online as a, an expert in my field, then you know there are plenty of people out there who don't really want to you know have to have the hassle of producing their own in-house video as it were or uh, you know their own video marketing assets or their own content marketing uh, and they would see as see me as an expert and and come to me basically that that was the kind of uh, the general approach now it's quite tricky um especially when you're very busy creating regular content yes so- do you set aside some sort of schedule to do that, or have you taken uh, more of a tactic of having core pieces of information that you recycle? Or what, what's how do you work it? Because it it it, it, it uh, you need to be consistent with it, don't you? And it it can be really hard. It can be hard. Yeah, that that was one of the big challenges, really. So what I've what I sort of found is a good way to do it is. Um, whenever the, the, you know time comes along where I can uh, or have a bit of time to sort of do the rough drafts, as it were, of the blogs, the, I will crash them out. So I have a um, a little uh, wireless keyboard in my bag at all times, and I have my iPad with me as well. So if I'm on a train, you know, if I'm going to see a client or I've got a little bit of time, I will crash out. Let's say the shells of six six blogs. Uh, and when I say crash out, they'll be spelt wrong. They'll be the grammar will be appalling. You know, they'll probably have some factual inaccuracies in there which I'll need to correct. Um, they're literally they're, they're like a stream of conscious uh, almost. You know, it's just from me to the page. Um, and as I say, if I'm on a train for an hour, I can probably do you know maybe three or four. If I've got a longer journey, I can probably get six at ready. So I've then got these 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 kind of you know at this stage quite meaningless articles um which i'll then when i've got a little bit of space and time back in the office it's very quickly for me then to take these shells and just read them redraft them very very quickly uh, correct the spelling uh, and save them then then and then the blogs that are ready to go um so it's almost like I'm, I sort of harvest them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I won't release them all at once, you know, and sometimes I may write sort of half a dozen and put one up that month and then one the next month, and I've got a nice steady stream of them then. But because you're right, trying to find a time, you know, if you're busy, trying to find a time to do them monthly is a nightmare. So if you do get, you know, a reasonable pocket of time within a sort of three-month period, if you can sort of harvest a, a decent arsenal of, of these blogs then you know you can you can release them as and when you want um and you know and it, and it creates that steady drip feed again google loves it it sees your site growing and uh you know it, it does help and yeah and i think it's important to say that you are genuinely writing genuinely useful pieces of information like it's not just writing something so that google sees your site growing you you are also if a person a human being lands on it um they're 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 gonna see you as the expert which is the intention yeah because i mean you could take a view and you know there and i know there's sort of there is advice out there along this line but i find it slightly cynical in that you could just write a blog for example you know that's just stuff full of keywords so I could write a blog that says, you know, I'm a video producer. I love video producing because video producing is, <laughs> is what I like, you know. But at the end of the day, nobody's really going to read it. So you're not, you're not positioning yourself as an expert. And also Google's getting very, very clever now and it's starting to weed out the sort of, you know, yeah. the, these, these articles that are just there to catch search tags. Um, and I mean, the other thing we wanted to do is we wanted people to share 
our, our you know, we, we were putting our advice out there to share. We wanted other people to share it. So, you know, if it's meaningless, if it's drivel, nobody's really going to pick up on it. So it had to have some worth. Speaking of sharing, do you use a lot of Twitter or LinkedIn or a strategy around that? Yeah, we, I mean, uh, the, the, the business is, you know, it's 4416. We have a, a Twitter page, we have a Facebook page, we have a Pinterest page, we have a LinkedIn page, we have, um, what's the other one? <laughs> um, YouTube, you know, we, we've got everything set up, um, which has been very beneficial. I mean, when we first set out, set out on this sort of, the, the, latter, the, the, the latest part of the journey, which was to sort of really uh, aggressively market ourselves online, we set our sights on sort of Surrey, really, because obviously that's where we based. There's a lot of uh, big industry out here. We've got people like Sony, you know, a lot of big tech industry out here. We wanted to be very visible in, in Surrey. And just through taking this approach, through blogging, through making sure that our website is really heavily optimized, but not spending, you know, money on Google search or anything like that. I must stress that we've achieved all this by, you know, not spending a penny with Google. But I know now that we're, you know, we're number one in Surrey for uh, any video-related terms. We're hitting very well in London. We're hitting very well in Hampshire. And, you know, it's growing all the time, this, this sort of um, our visibility. We wanted to uh, keep the, the feed moving, as it were. So, obviously, you know, nobody in the world has got time to sit on Facebook and LinkedIn accounts and stuff like that and, and tweet and, you know post up there all the time so the the sort of real gem that we found was a, a piece of software or a website i think it is called social sprout um social sprout is it's absolutely been a godsend to us you know it's a it saved us massive massive amounts of time because again when we talked about sort of harvesting the blogs and having that pocket of time to really focus your energy into We'll also find a pocket of time, which, you know, might be three hours, something like that. And I can load into Social Sprout our activity across probably five or six platforms. We can load it in there. We can schedule it. So we can schedule repeats as well, because I think that's another thing that people um, miss out on a little bit when it comes to uh, tweets. You know, some stuff, yeah, if it's, if it's relevant to that day, you can only really tweet it that day. But if you're sharing something online, you know, tweet it every week or so uh and that's what social sprout will do for us it will it will take all the hassle out of um making sure we're visible on a, on a sort of an ongoing basis so we're kind of always up there as it were so all of this has clearly worked for you yeah it's been uh yeah it's been a i mean it's been a revelation for me personally you know i've, I've learned you know as, as i said more about how to market myself and sell myself over the last few years than than ever before and you know, we, we're moving on to other exciting things now that we're just about to start, um, you know, rolling out. Um, we, we, we started the sort of sister website. We were finding that we were struggling, obviously, within video production. A lot of our, our the people we'd like to work for are based in London. Um, however, we're finding that there were companies based in Soho who were spending eye-watering amounts with Google to get them to the top of the search. And, you know, we couldn't compete on a financial playing field. So what we've done is we've been quite sort of um, sly, I guess you'd call it, about it. And we've bought a domain, which is um, basically what we do and, and where we do it. So it's called videoproductionlondon.com. 
And uh, it's basically a site that is optimised to try and pick up Video Production <laughs> London searches. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, fingers crossed, it, it, we're hoping it should work. Um, you know, if it doesn't, I'll let you know if it's a complete failure. But uh, we're hoping it's going to give us more traction in and amongst those bigger, you know, those bigger corporates that we really want to work with. Hats off to you for managing to get hold of that. <laughs> well, I, I did actually, I, I had to pay a little bit for it, actually. I mean, not eye-watering sums, but I'd pay a little bit for it. But, um, you know, it, it, it's we, we know it's a search term, basically, and we know people are paying Google to find them for that term. Yeah. Uh, and we also know that the, the what is in your URL is a bit it goes a long way to putting you towards the top of those natural searches and the biggest problem that my current business has got is that our URL means nothing to anybody you know nobody would ever search it in their right mind because it just it doesn't really mean anything it was just a name that we picked long before search engines and optimization was was really on the on the radar I, mean, I guess combined with uh, all of this was the rise in video become you know coming to the fore. Yes. Uh, yeah. So you know there's a benefit in that as well, which is clearly you know you've managed to keep the company going so that you could you could grow it again because that's what you've done. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think we certainly back kind of you know leaner and meaner and certainly wiser. Um, you know, because of our visibility now, we've got a huge spread of clients. We don't have any eggs in one basket sort of scenarios lurking around the corner, um, and we're picking up you know large brands all the time, which is which is just fantastic. Um, the other thing that it's been great for, if I'm perfectly honest, is finding um, other freelancers. Because you know, if you're a freelance makeup artist and you're looking for work from video production companies. We're easy to find. So, you know, great people have been able to find us and tell us about their services. And, you know, we've been able to bring them on board on various productions. Yeah, it's a good thing, actually, because I wanted to ask you about that. You are now, you were a freelancer, you now hire freelancers. So what do you either look for or perhaps see so that when you're checking people out and you're seeing their online presence or things like that you know what is it that you're looking for or things that you've seen where you've gone wow that person's clearly good or you know well i think i think it helps you know freelancers will come at me from all angles they will i might meet them on a set they might just call call me they might send me an email um so there's various approaches. Uh, I certainly think if a freelancer cold call calls me, it's it's uh, it's normally a, uh, goes on to another stage. If you if you know what I mean, it goes to a, a sort of a stage two. You know, we do get. I would say I get people asking if we've got any work on a daily basis. You know, sometimes multiple, sometimes three, four, and five on a daily basis. And I can't reply to every email, unfortunately. Um, the persistent ones are the ones that tend to end up on the roster. To be honest with you, you know the one the, the, we may not have the right gig on at that the time that they call or email. But um, you know, somebody once told me a long time ago, and it's one of the best lessons I've ever learned, is that no only means no today. You know, it doesn't mean no tomorrow or no the day after. It, it's just you know, if there's not the work on today, then it's a no. But uh, as I say, the, the, the persistent ones are, are ones that we tend to work with. Um, I think the other thing I, I said, uh, you, you know, when I'm putting a team together to work on a project, and, and our teams can be as small as four and they can be a lar- as large as sort of 30 or 40, really, depending on what we're producing at that time. Um, 
But one of the other things that I look for with, with freelancers is that they I have to be able to bring them in and they have to kind of be able to assimilate what we're all about, as it were. Um, you know, we, we've got very clear ideas on how we like to treat customers and how we like to behave in front of customers and uh, how we like to, you know, the, the silly things like dress codes and things like that. You know, we like to look smart. We don't want to look like, you know, scruffy tech crew at a, a rock music gig or anything like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so finding people who we kind of click with is important. Um, I, I do say that if I'm, me- if I'm measuring, you know, if I'm picking a crew, then if, if someone's a, a 10 for expertise, but a one for, you know, personality and, and clickability, then I'll take somebody who's a lot lower down on the expertise scale because I need them to be able to, you know, work alongside us and, and work with us. Um, the other thing we do a lot with freelancers is we like to put out crews as, as a white label crew. So even though freelancers are, you know, coming together as part of a team, we like to be seen when we're out there as the 4416 crew. So, uh, you know, finding people who, who can do that and we can do that with is always important for us. It's obvious that, you know, even right from the beginning, you've taken being a freelancer as being albeit not getting the marketing right and learning. Yeah. <laughs> but being professional and being a business. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to quantify it because I don't, you know, now it's the right thing for me. There's no doubt about it. And, I, you know, I, I, I've got ambitions to kind of grow the business further. Um, whether or not it's right for everybody, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, the, the the downside of being a freelancer, of course, is the opportunity cost. You know, if you're doing one gig, you can't do another. Um, whereas, if, you know, if you've got a larger organisation, then obviously you can you can take on those multiple jobs so you can enlarge your client base. Um, I think that's always the downside. And it was, it was a problematic for me when I was, you know, when I was essentially a freelance producer. If I did one project, it was very hard to do you know, another one at the same time. And if you, the one that you can't do, somebody else will do it. And obviously then, you know, when the next job comes along from that particular client, they will just go to their Mm. last port port of call, as it were. It it is really tricky though, isn't it? To know that balance, to know when to take that leap, to maybe find yourself another editor or, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in another field, another designer to work alongside you or whatever. Um, Basically another expert like you who can share that workload, but part of you is going, but if I share the workload, I share the money. And and how do I know it's going to be, you know, it's, it really is. I I don't know that that line is a hard one. It's terrifying, to be honest with you. And I think when you first make that leap, um, there's all sorts of pitfalls that, 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 that lie in wait. Um, I mean, the majority of, of people that I've employed, let me, just, let me just think about this for a second. Yeah, I would, say that, I would say 80% of the people that I've brought on board have been brought on board at graduate level. So I could shape them and mould them and, and train them so that you know they could come along they could skill up as they went. There's an obvious cost benefit to that if you're employing them because you can bring them in, you know, on a, a graduate uh, salary or on a part-time basis at first and you can scale up. So as their skills scale up and your needs scales up, then, uh, 
you know, you can do it gently rather than bringing in, you know, a middleweight or a heavyweight in your chosen field and having to, you know, find and, and pay them the, uh, you know, the salaries that, that that level of skill demands. Um, it, it, it's tricky to do it that way. So as I say, if you can find a way to do it and scale it up and bring in an assistant who is a trainee, then, you know, essentially you can create another you, as it were. You can pass on as much of your knowledge as you choose. You can shape them in the way you want to shape them. And uh, personally, I've found it's been a great way to do it. It worked for me previously and it's working for me again now. I'm glad to hear it's all going well. And and more than that, that you've still got the ambition to grow. But mm. what makes me wonder as well is obviously you were passionate not to be in the corporate side of things. That's mm -hmm. why you, you left and you retrained. Mm -hmm. And so then you have this passion for creating things, very visual, kind of artistic. Mm -hmm. But more and more, you're in business development, you're in marketing, you're in hiring, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Does it ever feel like it's pulling you away from the creative side? Um... Well, I think I think I think you can still be creative. You know, you can be creative when you train a staff member. You can be creative when you do marketing. You can be, you know, you can be creative when you put a pitch together. Um, so I still think there's room for creativity, but there is certainly a, a kind of a, you know, uh, there's a wrestling match, a contradiction almost between if you are a creative freelancer and and you become very very successful that you have to bring in assistance you'll find yourself doing less and less of what you started off doing because obviously your time is going to be you know you're going to be required to manage everything that goes with it so there is that kind of weird sort of paradox as it were i guess you know in that uh, you know the bigger and the better you become the further away you may get from 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 what your true love is i think uh, i think it's important to to manage it and to make sure that you do you know, you do stay on, you do have creative elements within your work. Uh, you know, it's what, it, it, it's the whole thing that, that drives a freelancer. You know, you you want to do your own thing. You want to be great at it, but you want to do it as well and you want to get paid for it. You know, it's, it's the, the life that, we, you know, we all kind of chose really, isn't it? It's what we all strive for. Love it. Now, something we always do is I'd like you to tell me three facts about yourself or your career. Two true, one mm -hmm. a lie, and let me figure out the lie. My first job, my first job, which was uh, I've alluded to in the corporate sector, was actually working in a travel agent. I started there at the age of 18 and uh, graduate, well, worked up my way up by the time I was 22 to managing my own branch and Bureau de Change. Here's another fact. When I did go back to university to retrain, I uh, paid my way through university by becoming a, an 80s DJ. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more about that one. And uh, I've run uh, three marathons dressed as a chicken. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I did say they were random, didn't I? What, what was your most uh, popular song as an 80s DJ? I think it was probably uh, Take On Me or Ha or something oh, like that. Really? Nah, chicken, chicken. So which marathons have you run? Uh, London. So all London? All London, yeah. What time can you manage in a chicken suit? Oh, around the sort of five-hour mark. Nothing like lightning, you know. Around the five. Or, or, <laughs> or are you deliberately being vague to make me? Because actually, I must say, I've got a feeling, I don't know whether it still is, but your Twitter avatar image did used to be 
It oh. looked like maybe you were in a running vest or something. That's that's very. Uh, I'm very impressed, Steve. There. Yeah. So it was. So maybe you are a runner. But then that inspires the lies sometimes. There's a truth in every lie. <laughs> travel agent. Where was a popular destination when you were a travel agent? Oh, this was a long time ago. So everybody was going to, uh, well, obviously, uh, short haul. They were going to sort of the the uh, Balearics and the Canaries and Greece and places like that. But then long haul, it was, de- it was really fashionable to go to... Um, Cancun and Cozumel and the sort of Mexican uh, places had just started to uh, do package tours. So uh, everybody, bear in mind, this was in this was in uh, my hometown of Barnsley in South Yorkshire. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. And and did you get to write on the cards in the window? I did, yes. <laughs> Even though I've got terrible handwriting for somebody who's <laughs> it's supposed to be creative. <laughs> I, I love that they still do that. Um, Right, travel agent, eighties DJ. I don't think you have run three marathons dressed as a chicken. You are right. Yes! You are right. And I think you got. Did you get that? Because I've, there's a picture of me running, but not dressed as a chicken. No, actually, it was just a thought that you. You know, running a marathon is mental enough. Yes. Um, I can't, I, I just, I don't know, there was always that guy who always ran playing the clarinet in the London <laughs> Marathon and the guy who always ran as a right, but I kind of feel like maybe you seem quite sensible and surely <laughs> once would be enough. Or at least you'd go back the next year as a flamingo or, no, then you'd have to hop on one leg for the whole. <laughs> yeah, you'd change the outfit up, I think, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you? Oh, 80s DJ, did you have a DJ name? No, not really. Not really. No, I should have come up with something pretty funky, shouldn't I? But no, I didn't. That was good. Yeah, your travel agent uh, knowledge was far too thorough for that to be a lie. <laughs> um, I, I was almost getting my checkbook out. Um, uh, if you could tell your younger self something about being freelance, mm. what would it be? Um, I would definitely tell my younger self not to be... But but then, I'll sort of add a caveat to this afterwards, but I would tell my younger self not to be so serious about everything, not to be so intense about everything. But then, you know, I don't know if I'd have progressed in the way that I did if I'd not been as serious, but uh, it can sometimes become a little bit all-consuming, can't it, being a freelance? I think I think you've got to lighten up sometimes. It certainly can. It can be quite lonely as well. Yes, yeah, it can. And I think that's where you can, you know, you can disappear into yourself a little bit, especially at the beginning of your career. And I think that is something that I would say to myself, just kind of lighten up a little bit and, you know, enjoy enjoy these parts, enjoy it all, really. Uh, Neil, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Where's your terrible URL? <laughs> the, 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 the URL for uh, for the company is, is uh, 4416.com, which is 44-16.com. Uh, and if they want to sort of follow the, the Twitter feed and have a look at some of the blogs, then uh, the Twitter is 4416films. So just numbers 4416films. And we shall watch the video production London uh, like yeah. yeah, if you interview me again in a, in a year and I say it's been lousy, Steve, it didn't work yeah. at all, then, you know, uh, obviously I'll have an egg on my face, but we'll see how that goes. No, you see, what will happen is, I think if we record this in a year, you will be sunning yourself in a beach in Mexico thinking, I was right to send people here. <laughs> I was bang on. Um, thank you so much, by the way. Don't forget, uh, you can find other guests that we've spoken to across a variety of different creative fields at beingfreelance.com. Also, iTunes and Stitcher, subscribe 
subscribe so you get the latest episodes. And if you've enjoyed this, please do leave a review. I get so many nice comments about this, and thank you for that. Uh, but it really does make a difference as well if you put those comments on um, on an iTunes review because it helps people find them. A bit like SEO, hey? But for podcasts this time, so all good. Anyway, Neil, thanks so much. No and problem. Great best to talk to you. I normally say best of luck being freelance, but best of luck being in the being the boss. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thank you.